At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more... Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. My name is Ariel Kestenbaum, and I am the founder of Fair Meals, a 501c3 status nonprofit that focuses on easy, healthy, and affordable meal solutions for families of all walks of life. On our website, fairmeals.org, you can find free of charge tons of tips, tricks, and recipes that encompass our three pillars of health, ease, and affordability. To help continue to make our programming the best it can be, please consider donating to this amazing initiative at fairmeals.org forward slash donate. Hey, I'm really glad you guys joined me on that trip with Eric DaCosta. What a ride. What a journey to be around the Northeast and spend some time with Eric DaCosta again. Big shout out to Eric for the time and the insight. And and by the way, his good buddy, John uh, Minidakis from Jimmy's Seafood, we had an awesome time thereafter, man. Um, had a few pops and, and ate some great seafood and I just, I can't thank them enough for, for the ride. It was all, it was all great. Welcome to the GM Journey with Thomas Dimitrov. As you know, from Baltimore, we jumped over to, to Detroit and spent some really good time with uh, Brad Holmes and, and Brad as you know first time first year general manager spent a lot of time with him talking about you know those first 90 days and, and this guy this guy comes from a really good organization meaning his backdrop with the Rams and, and Les Snead Les tutored him well really thought out guy I really like where he's going he's a really good soul too I think you'll realize it in the in the discussion uh, he's got some cool insight for a first time general manager and he's also he's also a depth guy with with you know a soulful side to him that shares and I really enjoyed my time with him getting to know him more. I hope you guys enjoy it and I hope you guys can really tap into how it feels to be a you know a first year general manager in those early days, man. It is it is it can be pretty harsh, but in the end you're very proud that you're there. Check it out. So in the first six months you've had a ton on your plate, right? I remember that it's bringing me back to my years. I'm feeling old. It was 13 years ago. A lot more gray hair, of course. You're already showing a little bit on your beard, and I love it. It, it makes you it makes you look distinguished, and and 
Make, it, it makes all those other GMs that want to trade with you think think a second thought. You know, like, man, this, this guy's got a lot of knowledge in his background. So six months in, talk to me about the idea of you were you were the coveted GM candidate this offseason. Uh, a lot of really cool things going your way. A lot of us don't get that sort of notoriety coming into interview. And we just we hit and miss and we get very fortunate. And all of a sudden we're a GM somewhere. You had a lot of people down the stretches who were really interested in you. Can you comment on how that feels to be sort of coveted and, and wanted? That's, that's, a, that's a great question because I always went into it thinking that I was like more under the radar, like non-coveted. Like, you know, I used to always just, Les used to talk, Les need, you know, back to the rim, used to always talk about just dominate your role. And I literally, the only reason why I got to this point is just truly, and I don't want to sound like scout speak or GM speak, sure. but truly just dominating and focusing on my role and trying to be the best. So when I when I when the news first broke, I was getting an opportunity to um, interview with the Falcons. Um, you know, I was like, wow, okay, that's you know, that's 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 really cool opportunity of a lifetime, all that. But then when Detroit, that opportunity Detroit came through. And then now you start seeing your name in multiple, and I'm like, wow, I guess I'm doing something right. But you don't, you don't really look at on the outside saying, like, wow, people really want me. I'm just like, because you really get that first chance. I was like, look, man, make sure I don't F this up. Yes, you know, make sure course. I'm just, I'm just preparing my ass off yeah. while still balancing everything that Les had me doing as well and supervising the scouts and all that. So you're basically doing two basically full-time jobs almost. And then you get that other opportunity. So you're actually so deeply immersed in balancing all of your current job, preparing for two other positions and all of that. I didn't really think about, am I coveted or not? You know, I'm just like, I just want to make sure that I uh, take advantage of these opportunities. And and I get that because, you know, that's tough to say, like, wow, I I felt great. I find, you know, you you went to North Carolina A&T, right? It wasn't like it wasn't like you were shining on a huge school. I know about being a small school guy, believe me, and Canadian school on top of that, even (laughs) though I say this respectfully to my Canadian friends. I'm not Canadian, but. I, I appreciated that, you know, growing up through a certain way. And then when you get to this role, it's a it's a big deal. There's a lot going on. It's a dream job, of course. And you you came into this job similar to me. And I say it humbly and respectfully. You came into this job moving from the director of college scouting into the general manager job. Right. I did the same thing. I remember and, that. And that was a big thing for me. Basically. That. There were people out there that had jealousies towards me back then. I knew that. I mean, mm-hmm. I used to get some of my buddies calling me Lionel Vitel. You know what they're saying about you? I mean, you have a lot of people throwing darts at you. You weren't ready for this job. <laughs> you didn't. You didn't have the the director of player personnel. Or you didn't sure. have the the uh, VP of player personnel. Yeah. You came to this job from the college director job. So, how does that feel? How has that complicated things, or has it helped things? Because. You know as well as I do, when these when these owners are looking at the next GM, they really want someone with a really sound background in college scouting. Sure. No, that's a great question. I do think that my experience in the college draft helped me immensely. And even when I first started, just to actually knowing the draft going into it, you're kind of just dying these crossing T's. And like you mentioned, the million other things that are coming across your plate. It's like, wow, but you brought up a good point, Thomas. Um, I'm not sure if you remember, but 
we were at a uh, symposium at the uh, School of Wharton that you yeah. spoke at one time. Mm-hmm. This may have been seven, eight years ago. And I, afterwards, I came up and asked you a question about how was it coming from being a college director? Because I think I was like my second year of college director. Come from a college director to be a GM. And just as like I, I look back and I'm like, you know, the Ozzy Newsoms of the world like pro- provided hope for me coming up and going, you actually kind of actually provided that hope in terms of going from college director to GM. I never forget you said, you know what, it can be done. I was asking you about not being in the office, yeah. living outside of the office. And you're like, you know, I lived outside and we got your opportunity. You said, you know what, try to distinguish yourself when you get that opportunity. Oh, yeah. I never forget when you said that. That's a, so that kind thank, of have resonated with me. Thank you for sharing that. I, I do remember that now. You know, sometimes yeah. we get sp- spun around. And I'm like, wow, I remember I remember the Wharton time. And I remember talking about that because yeah. a lot of people did pinpoint me on that early on in the media, you know, yeah. from, from some of my other, you know, people. And, and, you know, I was talking to Ryan Gregson the other day. Yeah. I was talking to Steve Kime. That whole group, you know, we talked about that. And I, and I say again, I appreciate hearing that some of us, you know, we all pave our ways in certain ways, right? Mm-hmm. You're going to look back on in, in years to come and you're going to say, you paved a way for a lot of people in a lot of different ways. We all want to feel like we paved a way. And I feel like that idea of of having a really strong, solid college background, knowing that we both, me 13 years ago and you now, there's a lot to learn. And, you yep. know, you're learning about cap. You're learning about pulling things together. You're learning about being in an office, which that's that's a different thing with, you know, within itself. Right. It's different. Uh, and I think about that often, how I learned and I was always open to learn. And you're you have a sponge element to you like I do. I want to continue to learn. Absolutely. I know that I wanted to kick ass as much as I could on the college side where I where I was thriving. Yep. But I was looking forward to learning in all these other areas, which you're smack dab in the middle of it all. Right. I mean, yeah. it's 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 a it's really interesting. All right. Let me ask you this question. Candidly, and I, I know humbly from you because that's going to be you. Um, you know, when, when you go through this whole process, uh, in the end, something has to differentiate you from, from the rest, right? Yeah. Because, you know, there were a number of people that got jobs. There are some great people. I'm, I'm, I'm really excited. I know it seems counterintuitive for people to, to hear me say I'm excited about what Terry Fontenot is going to do sure, in, in Atlanta, but yeah. I really like Terry and I want the best for him. Mm-hmm. I want the best for the team. Absolutely. Of course. I mean, I think there's a good football team there for him to grow with. So I'm excited about that. Yes. If you could, what do you think differentiates you from others who were going for the job in Detroit? What, what did you bring to the table uh, without feeling uncomfortable talking about that? <laughs> You know what? I will say this. The whole way leading up to it, and you're asking all these GMs, current GMs, Mm -hmm. former GMs, you know, mentors that I've had, what is the best advice? You're gathering all this information, and you keep hearing this reoccurring theme. Be yourself. That was always like the last one. Of course. Be yourself. Be yourself. And I'm like, that just sounds cliche. Like, there's got to be something else. There's got to be some other magic sauce yeah. that you sprinkle that you have to nail in the interview. Yeah. And after I was offered the job and just fortunately, humbly, gladly accepted, that was what it all came back to yeah. is just being myself. And, you know, things that, and I don't know, I can't speak on other candidates of what they did in those interviews. Um, I'm sure that they probably were, were themselves, but you know, there's things that, I personally, being myself, that I have vested interest in. You know, I, I 
I'm very passionate about, you know, the psychology, psychology of decision making and, you know, kind of how to eliminate certain biases when it comes to decision making. And, you know, just ton of books on that that I've read and trying to applying that to, you know, the philosophy and our Mm. process and things that I, you know, learned from less in terms of evolution and how process evolution, how that entails. And even with the fusion of how can you, you know, perfectly merge analytics with qualitative data and quantitative data how do you fuse that equally and have success so all those things i'm really really passionate about but not forgetting who i was and who i was and where Mm -hmm. i came up is is like you said traveling around scouting hitting the road watching that tape and finding good football players so so you give me chills talking about that i'll never i I will never lose that i know because i love what I have done for the last almost 30 years and then the last 13, you know, in the general manager role. And I remember spending a lot of time over the last probably two or three years as I started to get, you know, in those double digit years. And I was thinking, okay, where am I right now? I started thinking more about legacy. I started thinking more about, quite honestly, I was in a spot where I wanted to to really hone in on mentoring and helping a lot of people grow so that they were ready. I mean, it was always a part of who I was. Um, but I really thought that I was going to kick into gear. Unfortunately, it ended in October where I was like smack dab in the middle of thinking about the mentoring side. It, it started coming back to authenticity and realness and saying, look, we all know we have to navigate a certain way. And, and you know, early on sometimes in this business, we have to, you know, maybe, maybe hi- not hide. I hate to say that. We, we have to be particular about not wearing things on our sleeve. That's changing now, brother. I would say to you, you're very fortunate 13 years after when I started, sure. people are, are accepted in this league a lot more for who they are. Run with it because, I, again, I get chills talking about it. Knowing that you can be who you are and thrive in this business, that's going to be that's going to be part of your legacy. And 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 I love that. I think it's great. Look, you, you, you alluded to the fact uh, that Les Snead had a big part in, in your growth. We talked about it earlier. Les and Kara Henderson, his wife, who are fantastic people who love you, thrive. <laughs> big fans. They, they, they big think fans. they thrive talking about you. Even when I was out there interviewing with Les, I was like, wow, they, I couldn't wait to, to try to secure this interview with you. So if I asked you one salient leadership point that you would take away from yourself from Les Snead, it doesn't have to be long and drawn out. What would that be? I would definitely say lead with empathy. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the ability to lead with empathy. Um, you know, sometimes when things are happening to you and you're actually feeling it, you don't obviously consciously know it's happening, but just like, you know, he's got good leadership. Like, I'm, I'm actually, I want to listen. I want to reach out to him. I want to. But then when Les starts talking to me about leadership and then we start sharing books and research and all that kind of stuff and he's actually teaching me and i said wow that actually what you've been doing which i thought really worked and resonated with me then that's a leadership style or a leadership main point cog that has really worked for me and the other thing that i add is just being honest and direct you know and and there's a way of doing it you know like there's there, there, there's a way to provide feedback. Everybody wants feedback, yeah. but everybody just doesn't want to hear the bad news. Yeah. You know what I mean? But you don't want to fabricate or not be authentic or not be or be disingenuous with good news. So it's just finding that balance of actually providing critical feedback and leading with empathy 
and being honest and direct, you know, has bode well for me, but points that I've learned from lessons. Well, look, I, I think about empathic leading, what yeah. we're talking about here. And I think about less, of course, I think about how important that was to me. And it's complicated to your point, meaning there's a side of us who are competitive and driven and, and have, we always have that football element in the back of our, right. our, our world, whether we're big dudes like you or, you know, scrawny uh, defensive backs playing in, in Canadian college football. It, it was something that was always a part of my, my drive, right? right? And so when I got into leadership roles within the NFL, there were times that I was like, my, 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 my uh, tough, driven, hard-nosed element that I was brought up in a, with, in a football family with a father mm -hmm. who was a tough-ass dude. Mm -hmm. I had that, and I had to start looking at it a little bit differently not not being myself, because you still have to always be yourself Absolutely. to an earlier point. Absolutely. But you have to make sure that you are driving the point home. You have to make sure that there are times, I like to call it uh, semantically responsible, right? Mm -hmm. How you deliver something in those earlier years in your leadership might be very different than how you're doing it Absolutely. now. To, Absolutely. Right? To make I, sure that morale is at the right spot. I, when I first got the college director position, you know, there was no... I'm so happy to get the college director role. Wow, I'm college director. Wow, wow, wow. But there's no book of you got to manage right. this. Right. You have to make sure that this were like that. There was no book on that. That wasn't given to me like that. So I'm like, wow. So I always felt like I was natural from a leadership standpoint because I was this captain of my teams yes. in football right. or, you know, homecoming king. Okay? So I was like, but you never really thought of it you know it's like i don't know how i am Lee. i'm just being myself mm. but then when i get this college director role guy you know is late on his deadline you know i'm picking up the phone hey, hey yeah. what's going you know yes yes and then now that specific employee there's some scouts that are like you know i really needed that there's some scouts just like look i didn't really and so yes. now as you kind of grow and learn now empathically you're like, you know, hold on, let me step back and truly seek to understand. And the other thing is accountability. Yeah. You know, like now it's like, OK, don't pick up the phone first year college director and be mad that the air scout was late on his. He missed a deadline. Now it's like, what did I do to see if I could do something better to put something in place to make sure that that deadline was reached in a more efficient manner? Yeah, you know, great. so one of those things and it was a. Never forget, uh, Les gave us these books, uh, Extreme Ownership, yeah. and and read that book, and that really Jocko Willick, Jocko Willick, yes, and and I mean, excellent book. Even the the audio book is probably even better. I, but I, I mean, listen to him, yes, it's, that's it's right. Just, it's amazing, yeah. but it really gave me that accountability aspect on leadership. It's like, look, don't always see something wrong, and it's like, no. So all those things are just lessons, but you don't learn. And my my mother, she's been in a leadership role and management role for like 30 years in the educational field and i used to always go back to her and be like you know mom i you know i i'm, I'm trying to get this right but uh and she was just telling me just all these different ways but it all comes back to you got to be yourself you got to be yourself don't be non-authentic disingenuous be be genuine but there's a way to do it brother you're speaking my language you, you we talked a little earlier and you brought up you know Ryan Holiday, you know, the, sure. the ultimate stoic out there. And we, we were, you know, you're, you're bringing up Jocko Wilnick and extreme yeah. ownership. You also had a quote there that I, I live by, you know, the, the whole idea of seek not to be understood, but to understand 
that is at the core what I always have to remind myself because at times, you know, we get so self-immersed and Absolutely. I love that you have, have that understanding. And, and it's where I knew even from our early, early discussions that we had a bond that I, that I appreciate. And I'm not being hokey about that. Oh, Sometimes you have a, you know, have an immediate, uh, I do I have an immediate feel like, ah, oh, there's something about this cat that I really think, uh, has a, has a really interesting uh, element of bond. All right. That. I could go on and on about that. Let's talk about Let's talk about the first 90 days, right? First 90 days on your job. If you were to recommend to up and coming rising executives slash general managers or general managers, talk to me about the first 90 days, not only in your world, but also navigating that with a hard nosed head coach and, and, and a building that has high expectations. Can, can you discuss that? Well, you know, uh, the first 90 days, you know, and I've heard it called Give me the first 90 days. Give me your first 100 days. And I had all that, you know, in my schedule and calendar and presentation. I learned within about a month. And then after those first 90 to 100 days were completed, I would say I would tell any other aspiring general manager, you can have that on the calendar and you can have it. I'm going to accomplish this, that, 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 that every day. You might as well just expand that to about 150 days, right. almost 200 yeah. days. And not saying that you're not focused and you're not getting on task, but there's so much unpredictability. There's so much uncertainty. There's so much what I call pop-ups that yeah. just come up. And, you know, you have that you're going to focus on this in free agency this day in February. Yes. Well, you did not predict that, you know, this player had this off the field issue or this employee had this go on in their personal life. You did not predict that happening. And that consumes your entire day. It's not that you got off track and that you were in focus. It's just that you have to manage, you have to manage all of that. So again, it's almost like going back to like, you know, in the college scouting days, yeah. you know, you make a fall calendar, right? And you say, this is where I'm going in August and September. And you got it all lined up, bing, 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 bing. It's like, oh, this looks great on this paper. But it's like, you just didn't know when you got that flat tire. You didn't know when the rain was a torrential downpour <laughs> yes. and you had to head up these mountains in yes. Apple. Like, yeah. those, those things that are unforeseen, you just know, like, you have to prepare for those guys and leave room for those things to happen. And I would tell any aspiring GM, just always know that that's coming. That's coming. And it's always right. going to come. And, and I've often looked at it as well. By the way, the, the, the visuals for me, you were saying things popping up. I always imagine like these balloons coming up here. And before you know it, there's five of the balloons <laughs> popping up here. And I'm thinking, oh, what, what is going on here? Part of that also brought me to that, to that understanding, talking about, you know, some of these more outside of the box thoughts, uh, maybe not that far outside, but that idea of being a piece of driftwood at times when you're in this role, yeah. meaning like there are times you have to not fight it. You have to go down the river Absolutely. and be light enough where you know. Now, there are other times you have to be stout and strong, yep. but there are other times that it's just not worth fighting every current that you're going to face as a, as a general yes. manager yes. in this league. And that's one thing about, um, and, and, and you mentioned, you know, having ha having a, a, a head coach that's just, but Dan, he's, I, I would say, and I've said it before, that's one of the best things about my job is working with Dan. Yeah, he's just, he, he's just a, he's just a joy to work with. 
um, we're, 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 we're cut from the same cloth in a lot of different ways of how we see things both on and off the field, how we see football, how we and you know, the, the energy, the passion, that's all real. But just as I try to be an outside the box thinker and not just being outside the box to be outside the box. But, you know, one thing less taught me is that just because scouting was done one way doesn't need to be done yes. the other way. And Dan often brings that up in terms of like, he'll just bring something that's like, well, how about you do this? Or what are you thinking? It's like, wow, that's actually a really good idea. So that's actually been a joy to watch. But, you know, um, mm-hmm. you do have to, from a delegation standpoint, like you said, you can't put out every single fire. And I will say, I feel very fortunate to have a great staff and team around me. Um, and it's just been excellent. Starting from the very top with Sheila and the Ford family, Rod Wood, you know, Mike Dizzer, Chris Spielman yep. has been just critical. And then the entire personnel staff, you know, Ray Agnew, John Dorsey. I mean, it's just it's just a great staff. So that way, sometimes you're not pulled in down deep into every single fire yeah. and then having a great support team around you. Well, support team, right? How important is that? We know how yeah. important it is to have the right team, Absolutely. literal players. Yeah. But I think at times people don't understand how important it is to truly have the right people around you in all the different Critical. areas. Uh, especially, I think personally, when I was when I was growing in those early years, it was really important to have counsel. And I and I I say this all the time. I never came in as the GM like you did, thinking like I was holier than thou. I knew that I had a lot of strengths that I felt comfortable with, but I knew I had areas that I needed to work on, and I was very open to working on them. Sure. I mean, the the relationship that I had with people in our building, even even like someone like like rich mckay who i get i've always gotten along with Mm -hmm. and that was a little bit uh complicated because Mm -hmm. rich was a gm when i came in but i was very open i never made any any bones about the idea like look there are elements that someone like you know rich mckay who was in charge of the the competition committee there was a lot of information to glean and and share on on both sides so that's so important to have an open mind and to understand that you know you might have rod wood who who has a lot of really big picture ideas yep. that he can share for you. He's not a football guy by trade, all due respect, mm-hmm. right? But and and same with Mike Disner. Mike Disner wasn't he didn't wasn't raised in the business like you and me. That said, he has a lot of really interesting and important information to help you grow with. And as as well as Chris Spielman, of course. Chris Absolutely. has an ultimate amount of, of of football knowledge to talk about. And I'm sure you guys get along very well because Absolutely. Chris is a hard nosed, direct guy. And I think yeah. so you it seems as though you have a really cool group of people to, to grow it with. Is. And it was very evident early on in the process of, you know, just during the interview process of just the communication and dialogue from the very first virtual interview to just the follow-up dialogue communication and just when things just feel right they just feel right and you know I, I truly found that with the Detroit Lions and the, the team that we have around us and all those end of individuals they're all great it, you know impressively you know Rod his knowledge of football is I mean he's almost he's almost an almanac like he can just he'll spit out some for like a decade ago, a down and distance, a critical play. And then even like a Disner with, he's so knowledgeable with the football admin and the salary cap yes, and everything. Sure. He's very creative, intelligent, but has a base knowledge of understanding of the football aspect. And, you know, Chris is just, he got the heart of gold. And he's just been such a, his servant leadership has just bode well for the entire organization. 
and uh, it, it's been very, very impressive, very helpful. Well, that's great to hear. I love to hear that because you come in and, and you know, this is a situation where it's really important these, these early moments and early months to really set it off well. And it, it's a really good feeling when you know you have the right people around you to, to you know, to navigate, you know, something that's not, not that easy, of course. And it's, you made a good point about, like, everybody has things you got to work on. You know, that was one of the things that yeah. being a college director you do so much by yourself in terms of yes you're on the road by yourself but you're actually you're managing the scouts one-on-one mm-hmm. by yourself sometimes in a group setting and you gotta or like you do a lot of stuff on your own and that's great because you know fortunately with Les, he gave me the ownership to do a lot of things and kind of take it and, and run with it but when you get up to this chair it's like you can't do everything by yourself yeah. you know what i mean like you have to delegate and it goes back to what we were talking about about having the right support team and the in, in the right staff around you and so i'm very fortunate but that's something i had to learn and actually prove upon in terms of like look i can't do everything by myself it's like i have to delegate this delegate that and have trust with that Look, to throw my last shout out to college directors by trade, <laughs> I have always said that that is one of the most complicated and difficult Absolutely. and enervating jobs Absolutely. in 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 the in the in the in the league or you know within a team. Absolutely. Not, I mean, people might think, oh, you're traveling around, you're watching great games. Yes, there's an element of that, but you not only have to do your own work. Of course, you have to do your own reports, and you're a hardworking guy, and you're a diligent football man. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's your 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 reputation around the league. So you're not one that's just like, you know, piecemeal and sitting in a room talking to a whole bunch of people about how they see, you know, the league, uh, the college league and, and, and where people are falling in the draft board. You're doing your work. And I've always said that when you're a college director, mm-hmm. man, I think it really sets you up to be ready for a GM in different ways. A lot of people say, well, you're not in there working on the cap or you're not in there interacting with this, this group or that group. I get that. But the other points of being able to manage and navigate, not only setting up a draft board, brother, you know that it's about it is about having multiple things on your plate and it, it can be complicated. Absolutely. You you brought up a great point. It's first of all, is I, I do truly believe it's one of the and I haven't done every role within a personnel sure. department, but I always thought college director is one of the more complex because like you said, it's so many like you are doing your part, like you're doing your evaluations and you're traveling around, but then you're making sure that everybody else's work is up to standard and up to snuff and making sure that that development aspect is taking place as well. So I've always thought that, but at the same time, that actually gave me a little bit of sense of trying to prepare for a GM job, a little bit of, I guess, a sense of insecurity Mm -hmm. of like, man, I haven't been in deep dive free agency and salary cap. Like I have been, I actually go to Les all the time. Yeah. Like, Les, man, I sit in crazy. And he used to let me, but you know, I, I was like, man, the college part consumes so much of your time. You know, it's yes. almost like I was even having a tough time to even having those opportunities to be in free agency meetings and yeah. talk about the salary cap and all that type of stuff. It was still a struggle to find time because the college scope, but very fortunate. College directors, I do think that that can set you up very, very nicely. Let me let me do my, hey, pro directors out there, I love you, and you know that. I mean, less you by <laughs> trade, but the reality is, the reality is, you guys are able to have those nice smoothies during the day, and you're able to have your nice, comfortable chairs. We were 
you know, traipsing around in vans down by the river. Absolutely. And uh, we were having those dirty looks for some of those <laughs> college coaches when you're carrying in your bagels and your, your donuts and they're looking at you like, you know, your, your head Why is spun around. <laughs> <laughs> no, all due respect to, to any job because I, I think it's such a hardworking league. I will say, like, Ray Agnew, our assistant sure. GM, you know, uh, he was our pro director, you know, when I was with the Rams. And him coming in, you know, when he came in, you know, at the start of free agency, you know, immediately helped and alleviated a lot of kind of potential, you know, concerns that I had coming down of kind of like well i do know this part but how did you set this up and what's this part of the process and i couldn't have been more fortunate to have ray on board and with his experience of being a pro director i don't think there's any way that we would have gotten through free agency as well as we got to without without ray that's great What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game. King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think you could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then I, his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Colin Coward from The Herd with Colin Cowherd. Angie's list is now Angie, the nation's largest home service marketplace. They're here to help homeowners get all their jobs done well. Angie has helped over 150 million homeowners care for their homes. Whatever your home project, big, small, indoor, outdoor, come to Angie to connect with and hire skilled pros to get the job done well. Listen, I've got a couple of things in a bathroom in my house. Gotta get it fixed. I don't have time, and I'm not good at it. Angie is. With just a few taps on the app, you can have Angie tackle your home service project start to finish. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it easy to research, compare, and hire pros to ensure a job done well. With 29 years of experience combined with new digital tools to simplify the process, Angie makes completing home projects really easy. It's your one-stop shop. Angie can help you find the best price for your project by comparing quotes from multiple pros in just a few taps or book services at an upfront price based on local data. They get the difficulties that can come with home projects. They get it. Why not make it as simple as possible? Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com or download the app today. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Thank you. 
Let's uh, let's let's switch lanes here for a minute. I'm not asking you in any way to throw darts. You've been around some uh, regimes. Let's sure. say you've been around. I believe it's five different changes in head coaches. Yeah, um, some very good head coaches, yes. of course, and they probably a lot of them very good head coaches. They're not head coaches yes. if they weren't. But Absolutely. but things you know run their course, of course. Without being specific about a name necessarily. Of any of those five, what was the salient point that you learned uh, from one of those situations that, that you take with you that you know that's going to be really important for you in the Detroit Lions job? I'd say two things, and they kind of, they kind of uh, piggyback off of one another. But one was like the collaboration aspect of it, of, uh, of, of truly making sure that everything is a collaborative effort. And, you know, um, the last regime that I was with, with the Rams, with Sean and Les, you know, Sean, Sean McVay brought in uh, We Not Me. And that, that really permeated through the entire organization. And it kind of took that ego out of it that it's all about the team and it's not about anything, nothing bigger than the team. And Dan and I have that same exact mindset of we constantly talk about no ego. And that, that that's actually bode well for us, you that's know, great. thus far to this point. But on the collaboration aspect of it, um, it truly hit home about, you know, you, you, you there's been times through all the regime changes and being a head coach, I think, is one of the hardest jobs mm-hmm. in the world. It's a lot. But um, through all those regime changes, there's been times where it's like, well, it's personnel department and it's it's coaches. And the coaches are over here and the personnel. And, you know, and that mm-hmm. doesn't always bring the best results because now it's just a friction battle where that collaboration, when everybody's on the same page, um, that was a recipe for success in my mind that I thought through those regime changes. And, you know, hopefully that's what we carry along here with the with the lines. That's what Dan and I are all about. And that's what Sheila's all about in the Ford family is a collaborative approach. And that's what we're doing is work well for us. The we not me idea is really important. And as you know, really important as long as everyone is truly living it from the yes, top down. Right. Absolutely. If, if the top two guys are saying we we not meet everyone else and, and they're egomaniacal, you know, pounding their chest. I, of course, you have the ultimate say there, you know, football say you guys are you guys have what you had to do. You and Dan have mm-hmm. to run the show. Absolutely. But is you know, you know, we lead by example, of course, in that yes. situation. And, and as long as you're 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 running that that trail in the right way, that's that's a great, great thing. And and you had an opportunity to see that around someone like Sean McVay. Right. He's, Absolutely. I, I I continue to be impressed with his intelligence and his yeah. level of, of of ability to navigate so many different things. That's, yes. you know, and his his recall, whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the we not me, I, I love you know, always going back to that because I think it is, it's really important. All right. Let's, let's talk a little bit more logistics here, a little bit more, uh, uh, focused, um, and not as big picture on the leadership side you made early on, was it in the first three weeks of your tenure? Um, a move, a blockbuster move, I think, I mean, a quarterback move. You traded a quarterback that had been here for a long time for a quarterback that you had at your, your previous team. Sure. For those people that, you know, if this goes global, like I hope it is, I don't need to get into a <laughs> ton of names with it, but that is a big concept and it, it's complicated. How did you go about that fairly succinctly? What was your, um, were your owner and your president 
and Chris and everyone organizationally involved in such a big decision? Or did it really come down to you and Dan on this decision? Yeah, that's a great question. And uh, I can go so many different ways with it. I would say just picking up on the last point, that is, it goes back to the situation that Dan and I are in. Uh, Couldn't ask for anything better. Because from an ownership standpoint and president with Sheila and Rod, they truly are all about, hey, look, make sure that you have all the resources that you need to do your job. And it is your decision. It is your job. And that's kind of the approach that Dan and I took. You know, Rod is great. Rod is like, look, I'm here if you want to ask any advice. Do you want advice or anything? And but he's like, it's ultimately your decision. And you couldn't ask for anything better than that. But it was a bit of a uh, you couldn't have wrote a book or a story or scripted a story. I, I wouldn't have imagined in a million years that third week on the job, yeah. I'm making that trade with my former employee yes, with less right. need. Yes. Um, you know, and this, so it was a lot of so many different emotions were going through it, you know, through that whole process. But at the end of the day, you know, you just had to kind of stick to what you've learned, what you know, and I even bring it back, just blockbuster moves, you know, when you did the trade for Julio, hmm. you know, that was the trade that really being in personnel, I said, wow, that was a bold move. Hmm. And it paid off. And it's like, you know what? You can't be scared. And Les brought that same, yes. that same sure. thought process to the Rams of don't be scared, man. Don't be scared to be bold. And he always says, just leave the results to the process surrender the results of the process and that's pretty much all we did is we were just very thorough in our process in terms of the teams that were involved where we were at as a team um what we could get what we thought we could get in respect to matt i mean that whole thing was you just had to check every box in that but at the end of the day you know i do think it was a win-win for both sides but couldn't have thought of that happening on my third week of the job but uh, Sheila and Rod, um, you know, you know, I don't know if sometimes a negative connotation of like, oh, are they meddling? And well, she's the owner of the team. She can do whatever she exactly. wants to do. But at yeah. the end of the day, that's what she's so great about is that she's like, look, let me make sure you have everything you need to do. And then let me just let you make your decision. Trust you. That's a great point. I mean, it's her train set. No question. Yeah. And it's great to have someone like that, as I understand, you know, from afar that she is very helpful and, and accommodating, which I had the same thing with, you know, with Arthur Blanken in, in sure. Atlanta. I mean, he was always there, whether it was financially or whether it was providing at, at so many levels. And yeah. that's an important thing. If, you, if you're going to make a go at it, which is, is very tough in this league, you better have the support of your owner, no yeah. question about it. And, and, and hopefully they give you the keys to let you do what you need to do ultimately. And like you said, no one wants to work in a, in a meddling situation. And, and obviously you're not in that situation. So let me, let me ask, um, I'm going to jump to another tangent here. Mm -hmm. If you could do one thing differently in those early years prior to getting into the NFL, this is again for the rising executive, what would you have done differently? Would you have would you have studied different? Uh, would you have studied differently in college? Would you have gone to a different college? Would you have played different sports? Would you have done anything different in those earlier formative years in your career before coming to the NFL? That's a great question. 
uh, looking at it now, I probably definitely would have carved out the time to expose myself um, to a lot of different things, not just so strictly just scouting, like just all I'm doing is just scouting college players. I'm just going to schools and but like we talked about earlier, I'm just trying to dominate my role. I'm just trying to be the best as I can in my yep. role. So at that age, I'm thinking that's all you do. You just got to just deliver the best information, be the most thorough in your reports, do that. So that, but now what I look at, we're talking about like the books and like what I read and the information I absorb and looking at other entities of how other corporations are ran and leadership styles and all like all that. I wish I would have immersed myself deeper into that early on in the process. Yes. And there's no telling where I'd be at this point. But um, that's one thing. It's a tough balance because you're trying to be the mm -hmm. best. You're trying to dominate and make sure that you're doing as best you can. But, you know, there's other things except is it just football? It's stuff that you can learn from so many different entities that you can carry over. And I've learned that now. But wish I exposed myself to that a little early on in the process. Well, that's that's exactly right, right? We are focused on trying to be the best we can be at our job. That is mm -hmm. the number one thing. But I think when we really step back and we look at it, we think there are some pockets in our time. It could be during the summer. Of course, mm -hmm. we don't have a ton of time. It could be at, at certain times when we are able, and I would say when I go back thinking about the exact question, I would have made an effort to be a lot more focused on the, the professional side of leadership. I had this conversation with Steve Cannon, the CEO of all of Arthur Blank's mm -hmm. business, formerly with Mercedes-Benz. Mm -hmm. And he had said, look, you guys, the, all of you who have played football and were captains of your teams and presidents and this and that, uh, you know, within high school and college and who have these natural innate leadership, there's still an element that you need to learn. And I don't think I spent enough time. I just took it for granted. Like I'm, I have natural leadership ability. That's me. I would suggest any younger people at any level, doesn't matter what job they are within the NFL, speaking that way, or to yep. anyone in, in, in sport, take the time, whether it's a five-day symposium that you can jump away to, Absolutely. it may cost you a little bit of time and money. Those are the kind of things that I would really focus on while you're working on focusing in the season on what is right. Because ultimately, I would say to anyone in that building, and you know this, I remember early on when I used to ask people, you know, who who wants to be a GM? You know, I want to be a college director. I want to be a pro director, whatever. Nowadays, you got two hands up. Everyone wants to be a general manager. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm talking about around the scouting room that you have 20 guys in there. I'm Absolutely. like, wow, that's not how it was when, when I was young. I couldn't even, for fear of some of the older boys looking at me like, ah, you know, wanting to pound <laughs> me. Like, you want to be a GM? You shut your, you, you know, your yap there, uh, young buck, right? <laughs> Nowadays, everyone's thriving. Like, that's what they want. So yeah. to thrive in this league, you know that. It's, yes, you have to thrive in your area to your point. But I just think continuing to grow is, is such an important Absolutely. part. It's, it, it hit me, um, you know, just recently I've been reading this book, um, How to Decide by, by Annie Duke. Huh. And, huh. Um, you know, um, I really liked her other book, Thinking and Bets, but reading that. And so I was reading it. She had a section about um, when you're trying to make a decision and, you know, you got two options that are very, very close. And sometimes that makes you think that that makes a decision hard and you kind of drag time out and you got to just, you know, take more time. And she made a great point is that if the options are so close, it should be a quicker decision. 
Uh, it should actually, it mm -hmm. should speed the process up to make decision. And it kind of brings me back to draft day. And, you know, um, was ecstatic to land Panay. But if, yeah. if, if Panay wasn't there, you know, it would have been a tough decision on, on a cluster of players. Yes. But I look back at it and I'm just reading, I'm looking back at it and I'm saying, Really, though, that shouldn't have been a tough decision. Mm. And it looks back, and, and I think about Les Snead, going back to him again, he saw us talk about when those players get in that tight of a cluster, you just kind of just treat it as like, what fits best? It's yeah. not a it's not a tough, like, well, it's it's like, well, do you want a vacation in Paris? Do you want a vacation in Rome? Do you yes. want a, it's like, yes. do you want to go to Turks and Caicos or do you want to go to Grand Cayman? It's like, yeah. well, you're not going to be upset with either one. You know, so it's just like, well, what actually fits best for you? So, again, it's just another another very recent example past couple of days, actually, of just reading that and then just thinking back to draft day about like, wow, when you expose yourself to those other entities of knowledge or even leadership, you know, from a leadership standpoint, I hate to get long winded because not at all. It's a great, great question. But I never forget my dad bought me a weight set when I was in the eighth grade and I never forget, he taught me, he says, he said, it's not about what you're doing when you're with your teammates and working out and all that stuff. It's about what you're doing when no one else is looking like that's that, like, that's, what's going to matter. And I'm in the eighth grade. I'm whatever, yeah. 12 years old. I, I, I didn't really get it. But when I was named captain or when I was told I was captain of my football team, that's what I was doing. I was running hills by myself, yes. you know, on a weekend where everybody went home. And that's when my coach told me that I was captain. And so then it's like, man, that's, that's, you said by example. And I remember, you know, like a lot of great mentors and leaders that I've been under, they've all done things by example, but that's just, it was another, another point that you brought up from professional leadership that it's like, well, okay, I did learn, do things by example. When you're doing things that when no one's watching, it's going to bode well. But then you learn things about, we were talking about earlier, feedback. Yes. Like, how do you deliver feedback? I didn't know how to deliver feedback my first year as a college director. But then I started exposing myself to other things and learn, okay, this is how you deliver feedback in the right manner. So I hate to get long one of that, but you brought up you brought up some great points that kind of took me to a lot of. Well, I mean, that idea of leading by example and, and I, I brings me back very quickly and I'll add my own little tidbit because I laugh at it now. And I think everyone should take this in the right way. But I remember my dad was a coach during those years yeah. earlier before he became a, a, a scout. And I remember I would have in my backyard, I'd have six full size red blocking dummies and I'm out there doing by the way, I'm out there doing drills and agility drills and, and I'm out there for, I don't know, an hour at a time in the every, every day while quite honestly, some of my friends were out smoking pot around the, the neighborhood <laughs> and here I am working hard to try to get better right, right, at whatever right. I could do. Right. And, I, and I remember that being a funny little thing. I'm sure my mom and my dad were looking from the window like, that's just, that's just not right. He's doing, he's doing bag drills out there. But, I, but I, my point was that I yeah. really wanted to differentiate and make, make a difference and, and set a you know, set some leadership. Not, it's not like I gathered the whole neighborhood in there to watch me do my sure. drills, but it was something that I thought was important. Um, Absolutely. So, um, I would love to see the footage of you. Doing <laughs> that's right. That's right. So the league has come a considerable way in the area of, of diversity and inclusion. Sure. Okay. 
Uh, I'd like your opinion on how far you truly feel they've come and and comment on that a little bit and, and what maybe needs to be, you know, uh, considered moving forward and where the Detroit Lions are, you know, in that topic, uh, uh, you know, as far as diversity and inclusion. Yeah, that's a great question. A lot of different ways you can answer it. Uh, from, from a league standpoint, uh, we're obviously not where we should be at yet. Uh, I do think that there is progress being made. Um, you know, it's a lot that's a lot of it gets harped on on just the amount of uh, blackhead coaches that are in the league. Mm-hmm. And that is mm-hmm. nowhere near not even close to where it should be at. And that process has to be improved. But, you know, um, some that kind of got overshadowed of three black GMs got hired this past cycle. Mm-hmm. Whereas I do think that that is, you know, that is progress. Again, not to where it should be, but, right. you know, we're making progress slowly but surely. But we still got to improve the process. We still got to improve the pipeline. Um, you know, we were, we were talking earlier about, you know, the uh, – college you know the college director going to gm and you know you look across and says well look man there's not enough you know diversity at the college director level Mm -hmm. you know uh there's there's more at the pro director level but not as a college director level definitely wasn't hardly any very scarce at that assistant gm vice president or vice president player Mm -hmm. personnel whatever that number two job is behind it like we need to have more, we have more of a process for that pipeline for those positions. And you have more of a, a better process to increase the diversity for those positions. Then I think that will strengthen the pipeline for more diversity, at least at the gym. I do think there's a lot of things being in place with um, Ozzie Newsom had a great general yeah. manager form just mm-hmm. recently. Um, there was a quarterback summit that you saw a lot of diverse coaches at the quarterback position that I was in amazement looking at. And I said, wow, I didn't really know a whole lot about this guy, which was I thought was an amazing platform that was put by the league. And from the line standpoint, that is probably uh, numero uno on top of in terms of culture and diversity. That is huge on the list from the top down uh sheila is is huge on inclusion and diversity it's one of her number one projects you know we do have a culture task force in place where we're doing all the necessary steps to make sure that that's improved you know um i was very appreciative that you know when they did their interview search that they opened it up to a diverse field of candidates to allow people as myself to have an opportunity and I don't I don't take that 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 lightly. Um, you know, my dad, he was um he, he was an offensive lineman back in the early seventies, you know, played for the Pittsburgh Steelers for a little bit. And he taught me at a very, very young age, he said, you know what, Brad, uh it wasn't in vogue to have diversity on the offensive line. Oh. It was it, it wasn't in vogue to have blacks on the offensive line, blacks at quarterback. And then He's telling me that at a young age. And so then you kind of see where we're at. And so, and so I take I, I take a lot of pride in that to make sure it's like, what can I do in my end or my part to see if I can increase that diversity? And just it, it's a shame that we're at the numbers that we're at. And I think back to what my dad was telling me back when I was a young kid just starting playing Pop Warner football talking about what he went through in the 70s but i do think that we're making steps 
it's a little bit slow, but I do think there's progress being made. Very well articulated. If I were to ask you, per the Detroit Lions, who are your rising underrepresented stars right now, you think, on your staff? I definitely think Ray Agnew is is definitely, and I don't know if you say he's a rising star. I mean, uh, I think um, he's well known around the league just from his playing days, but as an executive and his presence around the building is just infectious and he just has a presence about himself that people just gravitate towards him. He has natural leadership skills. You know, the the, the football part is easy for him. Sure. You know, he 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 knows how to he knows the game inside and out. He played at a high level. He was a first round pick. He's won mm. a championship. He's got all that, but his presence in that building, his natural infectious leadership in all different ways and his knowledge of football He's a man of faith. Uh, I truly think that he's one that is definitely on his way. Um, I was very fortunate to have him a part of it. Um, you know, Lance Newmark is another one that I, I, I think that, you know, he does a great job. I didn't really know him that that much, sure. you know, when, when I first got there. But he immediately showed that he has those kind of qualities that, you know, he can propel to, you know, wherever, wherever he desires. Uh, Mike Martin, who just joined our staff, who I've known for quite a while, he's shown just quickly. And I've known he's had those leadership traits, but now that he's on our staff now, he just has that initiative, that intelligence, that knowledge of football, where I'd say he's another one that definitely is well in his way. And, and quickly on Mike, his position is kind Director of a new... Of scouting advancement, yeah. yeah. And what can you... In 30 seconds, describe what that is. I'm, I'm curious. Yeah, you know, so it's a lot of uh, process evolution okay. in terms of, um, you know, we have a lot of different what we would say task forces of different components of our football operations department. So, you know, as long as I've known Mike, he's always been a big ideas guy. And, you know, um, we've always, you know, we used to be scouting places and say, I know it's always been done like this, but yeah. what if we just did that, that, that? And I'm like, wow, that's a hell of an idea. Yeah. And so then on so many different areas in football operations, we've had these conversations. So when I was fortunate enough to actually add him to the staff, that's what I said. I said, let's make sure you're in a position to to make sure that you can dominate. And everybody has superpowers. Sure. And I said, yeah, he could be a director of college or director of pro. I, I, yeah, and he could do that. But let's put you in a position where you can have those dynamic abilities that you have to really help the franchise as best as possible and so then that's when i created that role so um this is a really important question because you and i have this feeling and understanding of how important it is to be balanced sure you at a fairly young age how old are you now 40 41 41 it's when i got my gm job 42 next week brother before you know it, you're gonna be 55 i just turned 55 and i'm thinking well you oh mentioned the grades and i feel like i have more than you and you're, believe you're, I mean, me so i don't know if that's a good sign or not but. you know i think it's all about just just <laughs> knowledge right but i've always been curious it's it's a lot easier to profess and 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 proselytize about about balance when you have 10 11 and 12 years under your belt can you truly do that as a first-time general manager and tell your staff, balance, balance, get to your kids? Do you think you can, with all consciousness, live a balanced lifestyle early on? And not only you as a GM, but your staff? Or do you think that's something that you have to grow into over three, four, or five years? That's a great question because 
we talked about from an empathy standpoint, right? Yeah. I always preach to my staff, make sure you get to your kids. Make sure they like, make sure no family time interferes truly like missing recitals and games just because you miss we had a scouting meeting that like let's make sure that that's done but i can't say that i've been truly practicing that myself especially and i can only speak from these first six months of of being in the chair and quite frankly i'll be very candid and honest i don't i don't feel like I, i i i've had a lot of balance just because I was so I'm, I'm such a preparation guy mm-hmm. and I want to make sure I'm prepared for every single phase and I don't want to miss the mark on anything. So I figure I'll never forget. I was talking to Ray Agnew one night and I felt we we're in the office till 10, 11 o'clock at night, you know, during free agency and draft. And I felt bad because I felt bad for Ray because I'm saying Ray's probably like, bro, I didn't sign up to be in the office till 11 o'clock at night every night, yeah. but yeah. he understood what we had to do. But, it made me step back and say, that's not the way to go, man. Mm-hmm. Like, that's mm-hmm. like, 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 that's not the way to go. Like, you got to get home. Now, it was easy, a little bit easier for me because me and Ray, because our families weren't in town yeah. at the time. So it was a, li- a little bit easier. But at the same time, you have to find that balance. And I was able to get some R&R for the past couple of weeks, finally. And it really gave me perspective and reflection of that. It is very, very important to, to have that or you'll you'll burn out i remember my my agent was telling me uh when i got the job he's saying uh you know you can't do this job longer than 10 years you you understand that right (laughs) and when he said that i didn't understand what he was talking about but then after going through six months i'm like now i see what you're talking about but that's why i have so much respect and admiration for your tenure of how long you are and i look at tenure that less is on track of like that is, I do think, but I look at you have balance, less has, has balance. Yeah. Like, I yes. do think that plays a part into it. And talking to other GMs, um, they've all kind of said, you know, hey, look, it will slow down. It's, it's like a player. Yes. It's like a player, a rookie. All this information has been thrown at you, and it's like the more you're in it, it'll start to slow down for you. So I'm looking forward to it. Um, you know, I, I want to keep it organic. But I do think that's a great question. I think you can have balance. I think it's very important, but it's all about how you're going to design your process and how you're going to. We talked about that 90 days to 100 days when you first start off. Well, I think that second cycle of 90 and 100 days of what you learned in that first set, you can actually have that balance in that second set. Hopefully, My last comment on that is if I look back in those early two or three years, especially I believe I would have been more mindful of balance um, in the areas and the time that you could truly have balance. So when it's free agency time, we're there until 11 o'clock. Absolutely. But in those times, and I think Les has a really good grasp, in those times when things are lighter, those are the times you really have to stress the time for your people to get to their families, to get out on their bikes, to climb the mountains they want to climb, figuratively and literally speaking. That is important because it makes them that much more appreciative of like it's when it's time to go. It's draft time. It's free agency time, man. It it, it is. It's time and we're ready to go. So, okay, I'm going to ask the the final question that I ask every one of the GMs that I've met with this this Mm offseason. And uh, in parens, by the way, you don't have to answer the question. My question, and it's a little bit of a tough question. What is the one question that you feared that I was going to ask you? (laughs) 
It can be it can be anything, and again, you don't have to answer the question. And you can wait, and we can come back. I can ask it again because I've had people say, you know, Brett Veach told me, man, if you ask me about the 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 uh, Kentucky Derby, because I'm a big he's a big horse guy, he said, and I didn't I picked the fifteenth. He said I was horrible. I was worried about you asking about that, and I've had you know other people. It's, it's kind of been a, it's a little bit of a semi. I had, I, I'm not, I, I can't say a fear. I had the curiosity if you were gonna hit me historically on something that I was more novice in sure. in a particular area, like the Kentucky Derby. You know, <laughs> yes. if you had a bright, like I don't really follow the Kentucky Derby, so yeah. like. Remember that Kentucky Derby, right? When that horse and, and I, I don't really know. Yes, that. and I would have been honest with you and let you know that. But it's a great point. It was just a curiosity back in the back of my mind. But, well, I, I, uh, I know but, exactly. But it what wasn't you're fearful. Um, yeah. I will say I didn't know really, truly what to expect, and I actually appreciate that. You know, I know we've had communication yeah. dialogue. I had a little bit of an overview, but this has been awesome. It really has. I really enjoyed. You know, the setup. Uh, You've kept it authentic, man. You kept it organic, man. Well, and, you know the, I, the questions have been have been good. I appreciate it, job. and that was a big thing when I when I when I kicked this journey off. I thought, you know, I am far from being Peter King or Adam Schefter or Al Michaels or whoever it may be. That's not my world. Yeah. But what I really wanted to do, back to empathy, I wanted to be, you know, GM to GM, GM to former GM. Now I can't believe I'm saying that after this many years, this was the first time in almost 30 years. I wasn't in a draft room this fall, but, but that was important to me. I wanted to make sure that we talked about things. It wasn't about, you know, the specifics about who you draft in the fourth round or who your number five linebacker is. I couldn't give a flip about that. This was about bigger picture stuff that I think can help a lot of people along the way. I honestly believe this, this, this conversation like this, not only helps the rank order, not only helps the middle management group who's rising, I think it truly helps ownership and and outside of this sport to other sports where people are able to listen to the human side Absolutely. of a general manager and general managers in this league who have so much to offer the insight of sport, but in business in general. And, and I just really appreciate you taking the time during a really busy time. You Thank guys you have so your coaches much. in tomorrow. You're kicking it off. Absolutely. And to spend time outside the, the Henry Ford Museum with – with the wonderful Melissa waiting for us and setting us up here. I'm, I'm really excited about that. So God bless, man. I really appreciate you. I can't wait to watch how your career goes you in, so in this much, role. Man. It's uh, I think we're heading in the right direction. You know, we hadn't snapped football yet. You know, we hadn't played it down yet, but uh, I feel really, really good about the culture and the direction that's in place. And uh, I think, I think it's going to be a fun ride, man. It, it really is, man. I got a lot of belief and faith in our process and what we're doing. And we're going to be good. I was going to ask you, like, now that you've had time to do, to have a little bit more, if you want to call it, balance, yeah, or have you know, you can ride this. Like, has it truly, has it truly hit you? Like, man, I've been missing even family time alone. Yeah, like even if you preach balance, like has it really hit you? Like, man, I've been missing this for a while. Oh yeah, man. I look to finish this off, and I, I know you have to go. I. Starts with my kids, spending time with my kids. Where you know, as a GM man, you have a lot on your plate. We know that, and and there are times when I'd bring them up to the office and cart them around different places. But to have true focused time with with my my two children, my son Mason and my daughter Ajanev, and mm-hmm. with my fiance mm-hmm. Mimi, I, these are really important things for me. And and I don't know, I had two years left on my contract. 
Thank you, Arthur Blank. I appreciate that as much as it was it was dusty. I wasn't expecting it, but look, this is this has helped me to be able to to spend time. You know, you got a chance to, to interview with Arthur. You know Arthur's he's, his humor and his his he, he's a good soul, and I Great appreciate guy. that. Great man. To answer your question in the very end, look, I this was right. There's a reason for it. After 13 years, you said a lot of people say past 10 years is tough. I remember last thing talking to, to uh, someone who I have a great deal of respect for in Bill Polian. and he said, and I remember hearing it and then talking to him about it. He said, nah, you can't go past 10 years. You've pissed off the owner. You've pissed off the media. <laughs> you've pissed off the, the fan base. You've pissed off your, 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 the marketing and business side. And I said, all due respect, uh, Mr. Polian. I mean, you're fantastic, but your generation was a lot more hardcore, and a lot more, you know, cantankerous and tough ass and, and direct. Right. We're a little bit more politically conscious here, and, and hopefully, given that element of our personalities, we can stretch this to three and four and 15 years, maybe. Sure. I came up at 13, or just, you know, I call it 13, just shy of, of 13, and uh, I appreciate that's a long time, and now it's time for me to step back yeah. and continue to learn. No, it, it, that, that, that is a really long time, Thomas. Yeah. It really is, and, you know, you should be very, very proud of the compliments and success that, that you've had, man, and... Like I said, I don't know, you know, if you remember a lot of the, the, you know, the anecdotes and the stories that we've been with in this time. But, you know, the Wharton School talk, like, and, you know, you remember that, but I do that resonated with yeah. me. You know, the, the Julio that resonated with me. Everything's that less said about you, about what I mean, all those things resonated with me. So I really appreciate the opportunity. Um, you know, you just brought up a great point about with the family and the going back to the balances you know my kids are three and ten months uh, and they're at that they're little you know yeah. and so trying to trying to get home to right before they go to bed and you're leaving before they get up and sometimes you miss bed and so it seems like there's days being in the same household there's days that you're missing and you know those kids man times goes fast is what everybody's yeah. saying and i'm noticing it before my eyes man but you know well, very, very end, and I'm saying the last 30 seconds on that point. If I could do that over again, I would not add agitation to my my presence when I wanted to get home to them. And someone was asking me, Nick Polk, who I have a great deal of respect for, would sure. come to me with a big book and talk to me about finance on the way out the door, and I'd be <laughs> agitated. I think you own your world, of course, and you're going home to see your wonderful wife and your yeah. wonderful children. There's a smile on your face, and you're saying to Disner, sorry, we're not talking about this contract today. Have a great <laughs> night and do it with a smile and appreciation. Brother, I really appreciate you. Oh, you have a great, a lot, great future man. in front of you. This was awesome, Thank man. You. Really Thank appreciate you. it. Thank you. Yeah, Thank enjoyed you. Enjoyed it, man. Awesome. This was- All right. I hope you guys enjoyed that. I mean, again, Brad Holmes, what, what a really cool guy and a good soul. Like I said, it was fun hanging out with him, talking to him. He was very, very humble about where he was and appreciative of where he was. And and look, this is an important draft. Second year in for a general manager, you know, coming off of a year that was it was it was a tough year for them, of course, even though they didn't have a lot of wins, they made some strides. But nevertheless, it's tough. You, You know, the second year has to be a market improvement. This is a win now league. We know that. And I'm very confident that he's going to do the right things. Quite honestly, I hope. You know, the president of that organization, Rod Wood and, and Chris Spielman, you know, one of the high up execs allow, you know, Brad and, and Dan Campbell to do their thing. Give them the keys to the organization and let them roll. 
Those guys know football. I wish them all the best in this this year's draft. And and from here, look, you know, follow me. We're, we're heading out west, man. We're going all the way out to the west coast. San Francisco, John Lynch. Can't wait for you guys to jump on board and listen to that one. Thank you so much for listening. We'll talk to you soon. You have been listening to The GM Journey with Thomas Dimitrov. Continue to follow Thomas as he interviews GMs from your favorite NFL teams. The GM Journey has been produced by Alan Kastenbaum, Thomas Dimitrov, and Octagon Entertainment. Don't forget to download and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. The GM Journey is distributed by the 8Side Network. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more... Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA.